Good morning and Happy New Year. Good to see you here today. And I hope you had a very Merry Christmas and a good New Year. Take your Bibles if you would. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And while you're turning there, let me take just a moment to recognize a few anniversaries. Um, as of today, as of this month, uh, Tanner Schantz has been our Minister of Students now for two years. He's been on staff for two years. Isn't that amazing? Um, it seems like 10, but uh, he's only been here two years. No, it, we're fortunate to have him. He's a blessing to us, but we celebrate his anniversary this month. Amanda Markin is the director of our preschool and children's ministries, and she has been on staff for 13 years as of this month. And so we celebrate her and her work, her ministry. And then you've been putting up with me for 23 years as of this month. That's a, it's a lifetime, isn't it? So uh, uh, thank you for the privilege of serving the Lord with you. So we want to recognize those anniversaries. So as you see these folks this morning, let them know you appreciate them and their ministry and celebrate their tenure. All right, Matthew chapter 6. We are learning how to pray. Our Savior is teaching us how to pray via the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Now we stepped away from this for a couple of weeks over the Christmas holidays, but let's come back to it this morning. What we have already seen is that the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer to be mindlessly recited, but rather it's a pattern. We talked about the pattern of prayer. This is a blueprint of, uh, after which we can build our own praying. It's a pattern for us to follow. And then we talked about the paternity of prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. So there's the paternity of prayer. The whole context of prayer is a faith relationship with God. And that's how you know Him as your Father in heaven, is through a faith relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And then we talked about the priority of prayer. Hallowed be thy name. That's the priority of life. That's the priority of prayer. That God's name would be lifted up, honored, magnified. The glory of God is our overarching priority in life and in prayer. And then we talked about the program of prayer. Thy kingdom come. It's all about His kingdom, His reign, His rule manifest in our lives, in the church, and around the world. So thy kingdom come. And then we have the plan of prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the plan, that God's will, not my will, but thy will be done. That his will would be accomplished in our lives, in our church, in the world. That his agenda would be fulfilled. And so that whole first half of the Lord's Prayer, it's about God's name, God's will, God's kingdom. Not ours, his name, his will, his kingdom. And now, finally, as we come into the bottom half of the prayer, we can turn our attention to our lives and to others around us. And so in the fourth petition now, the fourth request in the Lord's Prayer, we have this petition in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. So let's take a look at the Lord's Prayer and then we'll break it down. So here in Matthew 6, 9, pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's our focus this morning. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for this Lord's day. What a beautiful morning you've given us. Thank you that we can gather here today to be together and in your name and around your word and in your house and with your people. Lord, thank you for this, this time, this place, and this hour. Lord, we invite you to teach us to pray. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your bulletin, there's a listening guide on the back panel there. I invite you to follow along. 
Um, so this fourth petition in the Lord's Prayer is, Give us this day our daily bread. In the language of the New Testament, it literally sounds like this. The bread, our, the daily, give to us today. <laughs> That's how it actually reads in the New Testament. The bread, our, the daily, give to us today. Give us this day our daily bread. Over in Luke 11, we have a slightly different version of the Lord's Prayer. In Luke 11, the disciples ask the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he gives them the Lord's Prayer. And it's slightly different. There, it sounds like this. Give us day by day our daily bread. Or give us each day our daily bread. That adjective, daily, is an unusual word. It only shows up two times in the whole New Testament. And it's in the Lord's Prayer, those two times. Here in Matthew 6 and in, in Luke 11. Our daily bread. And that adjective daily, it speaks of the, the bread that I need today to survive. The bread that I need for one more day to, to, to live through tomorrow. The, the bread I need today or tomorrow in order to survive, to live, to exist one more day. Now, as you can imagine, as we ask the Lord to provide bread, we're not just asking for bread, right? Lord, I got the meat and the salad and the vegetables and the dessert. Could you bring some bread? You know, it's, it's not that. Bread here is a, is a figure of speech representing all of our food. Lord, provide my food. And really, we can easily argue that it's not just food, but it's all the necessities of life. In just a few verses, he's going to talk about food and drink and clothing. And you don't have to worry about these things. Don't live for these things. Don't seek these things. That's how the Gentiles think and live. You, you seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things. What? Food, drink, shelter. The necessities of life, clothing. Those things, God will, God will take care of that. You just seek him first and foremost of all. So really what we have in this request, give us this day our daily bread, is a prayer that God would meet our basic, fundamental, physical needs every day. God, give me what I need day by day to survive, to live, to exist. Now, with that in mind, I want us to consider three implications of that prayer this morning. Three implications. What, this, what does this prayer say to us and what does it remind us? What does it teach us as we pray? Give us this day our daily bread. Well, number one, it, 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 the implication is that we are completely dependent on God. This request, give us this day our daily bread, is a reminder that we are completely, utterly dependent upon God. And yet, we human beings, we have a seemingly infinite capacity for pride, <laughs> for arrogance, for self-sufficiency. Uh, we get way too impressed with ourselves, especially in times of prosperity. In fact, let me show you something. Turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, the context here. The people of Israel are about to go into the land of promise without Moses. Moses. God used Moses to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of Egyptian slavery. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. That's a whole other story. And now, at long last, they're finally they're about to go into the promised land, but without Moses. And so the book of Deuteronomy is, is a series of sermons. These are final messages from Moses to these people as they go into the land of promise without him. And one of the warnings he gives here in Deuteronomy 8, verse 11, listen to him. Beware 
that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Move down to verse 17. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Do you hear the warning? Moses is warning the people of Israel as they go into the land of promise. He said, I'm telling you, all you better be careful. You better make sure you remember the Lord your God. And when he says remember God, he means you better actively remember. It's not just recall facts. It's kind of like remembering your anniversary, guys. You, you better remember your anniversary. That does not just, I'm not just saying recall the, the date and the essential facts of it. You better do something about it. You better re- actively remember your anniversary. That's what he means. You remember the Lord. Actively remember God and keep his commandments or else here's what will happen. You better watch it. Here's what will happen. You're going to go into the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. And God's going to bless you. And in the blessings of God, you'll get prideful and you'll get arrogant. And you'll start thinking to yourself, look what I've done. Look what I've built. Look what, what I've accomplished. And you will forget God and you'll go after other gods. Well, as Paul Harvey would say, and now you know the rest of the story. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. You keep reading the Bible. That's exactly how it played out. Now, here's the bad news. We're no different and we're no better. We face the same temptation and we do the same thing. God blesses and before you know it, we take credit for God's blessings. And we begin to think to ourselves, look what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. And, And so here we go. We, we, we do the same thing. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Nobody gave me anything. I've worked for everything I've got. You ever heard that? Maybe you said that. Nobody gave me nothing. I've worked for everything I've got. I want to tell you that's dangerous. It's God who gave you the power to make wealth. God gave you the ability to work, the strength to work, the intelligence to work, the opportunity to work. The work itself was a gift from God. We live in the land of bootstraps. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. Who gave you the boots? You know, God, God gave you the boots, the straps, and the hands to pull them up with. And, and if we're not careful, we'll think just like that. We'll, we'll do the same thing, won't we? We get too big for our britches. We get prideful. We forget God. And we go after other gods, the gods of career and success and money and prestige and possessions and and. Uh, leisure and and, and recreation and and all the rest. And before you know it, I'm too busy for God. I've just got too much going on. And and I'm too important to be involved in ministry. Let lesser people do that. I'm I'm too important or I'm too busy. My grandmother would say we get too big for our britches. I'm too busy for God or I'm too important for ministry. Well, that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. I've worked for everything I've got. I've earned everything I have. You know what? You let a little blood clot hit your brain, and you may not be able to say your own name. Well, I'm a self-made man. All you have to do is slip and fall and hit your head. <laughs> Just a, a stupid little accident, and somebody else will have to take you to the bathroom. 
Self-made man. All that pride and that self-sufficiency, it can be stripped away just that quick. Listen, I command respect. People know who I am and they come to me for my, for my advice and I, I have influence and I command respect. You let the wrong germ invade your body and you won't have their respect, you'll have their pity. And you can become a byword. Have you heard about so-and-so? Yes, wasn't that something? Oh, mm, pitiful, just pitiful. Wow. All such boasting is evil. In fact, speaking of that, listen to James. Over in James chapter 4, it says this. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So we pray. Jesus said, here's how y'all pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, Lord, I need you to provide the absolute fundamental necessities of, of my daily life, day by day, every day, because I am completely dependent on you. Not only are we completely dependent on God, secondly, we are continually dependent on God. We are continually dependent on God. Give us this day, day by day, each day, our daily bread. Now, if we were to rephrase that in our contemporary American culture, in our way of life, we'd say, Lord, give me my monthly allotment of bread. <laughs> Lord, give me my bi-weekly paycheck. Give me my annual compensation. And don't forget my 401k, too. You know, it's a whole different mindset. But we are continually dependent on God. God taught the Israelites this in a very powerful lesson in the wilderness. You can go back and read about it in Exodus 16 later on. But for sake of time, let me just kind of summarize it. Here's a logistical question for you. How do you feed a couple million people every day for 40 years in the wilderness? No agriculture, we don't have farms, we're not growing anything. How do you feed a couple million people every day for 40 years in the wilderness? That's a logistical problem, isn't it? Here's how God did it. God provided bread from heaven. They called it manna. Manna just means, what is it? <laughs> they would go out in the morning... And when the dew evaporated, there was this white, flaky substance, white like coriander seed, and it was sweet and tasted like honey. Manna, a bread from heaven. Man, what is it? You know, it sounds like an Abbott and Costello gag, doesn't it? Like, who's on first? What's for dinner? What is it? Yeah, what is it? No, it's what is it. That's what it is. It's what is it? <laughs> Manna. Here's how this worked. You would go out in the morning, and you could collect all the manna you wanted for today. You're going to get more than enough. You get all you want. All you want for today. Now, if you got greedy, or if you got a little fearful, a little paranoid, if you decided you were going to hoard some, well, I'm going to be a prepper. I'm going to, pre I'm going to, I'm going to bank this for, for an uncertain future. You think you're going to have some extra. Guess what? The next morning, it wouldn't be fit to eat. It'd be full of worms, and it'd turn foul. You would collect today what you need for today, and it would only be good for today. Then tomorrow, you do it again tomorrow. You go and you get tomorrow's food tomorrow morning, and it's just for tomorrow. Anything you try to keep the next day, it won't keep. Except at the end of the week, Friday and Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath, and it was holy to the Lord. And you're going to remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. You're not going to work on the Sabbath. Nobody's going to work on the Sabbath. And there's not going to be any manna on the Sabbath. So on Friday, that one day of the week, on Friday, you would actually go get two days' worth. You get Friday's worth, and you get Saturday's worth. And you could go ahead and cook up Saturday's manna. 
You can bail it, you can boil it, you can bake it, you can broil it, roast it, whatever. Go ahead and cook it up, because you don't cook on the Sabbath day either. That's labor. So we're going to gather it, and we're going to cook it, and then we have Saturday's manna as well. So Friday you get two days' worth. Saturday there's none. And then Sunday you start all over again. Give us this day our daily bread. What was God teaching? He was teaching the Israelites, you are continually dependent on me every day each day and the bible says those things are written down for us as an example to us what happened to them was written down as an example for us now let's fast forward we come to jesus day jesus is preaching here in the sermon on the mount uh, the manna by the way the manna quit when the when the people went into the land flowing with milk and honey when they went into the promised land the manna stopped uh, but now when we come to jesus day jesus the people in jesus audience these folks are, are still essentially dependent on God every day for their daily food. A day laborer would get paid a day's wage at the end of the day for a day's work. And so he would need that day's wage to feed his family that day or maybe the next day. But they, they lived hand to mouth. They didn't have refrigerators and freezers, very little in the way of food preservation. Most of the folks were day laborers, and so they, they lived hand to mouth a day at a time. They were continually dependent upon God. Daily bread was a daily concern. Now, we fast forward to our world, our situation today. It looks different, doesn't it? It looks different, feels different. We, our work is different. The way we get paid looks different. And so we kind of think different about this. But the, the lesson, the reminder is this. We are still continually dependent on God. We are completely, utterly dependent on Him. And we are continually dependent on Him. And every now and then, we just need to be reminded of that. Our way of life is a house of cards. Our society, everything that we take for granted in our culture, our society, our whole way of life, it, it hangs by a thread. It is a house of cards. And every now and then we get reminded just how fragile everything is. Back in, uh, I think it was 2008, a hurricane hit Houston, Texas. And we ran out of gasoline in Nashville, Tennessee. That's just how fragile. In 2009, the stock market lost half its value in a few days. And within a few weeks, major American industries were on life support. The mortgage industry, banking industry, automobile industry were on life support. And it's taken 10 years to recover. I think it was 2010. We had floods here in Clarksville. We had major flooding in Nashville. And it was getting pretty spotty about getting gas and groceries in Clarksville, Tennessee, there for a while because of the flooding. You know, on any given... In any given winter, let the weather forecaster just mention snow. It doesn't have to snow. You don't have to see snow. They just have to say the word snow. What happens? Milk, bread, eggs, and toilet paper. Phew, we better go to Kroger. They said snow. <laughs> and here we go. Last spring, when the pandemic hit, there was a nationwide shortage of toilet paper. Now, it's a respiratory virus. I never have made that connection. It's not a gastrointestinal disease, it's a respiratory infection, and yet you couldn't buy toilet paper anywhere, and it became a symbol for 2020. Here's what we found out this year. Our government, just to keep you safe and healthy, could come in and shut down your employer's business. They didn't do anything wrong, you didn't do anything wrong, but the government can put you out of business and make you unemployed, just keeping you safe. You know what that tells me? I'm continually dependent on God day by day for everything 
We are continually dependent on God. We are completely dependent upon God. Here's the third thing I want you to see. We are consciously dependent on God. We are consciously dependent on Him. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. It is a reminder of just how continually, completely, and consciously dependent upon God that we are. Listen to what Jesus said here in Matthew 6, 8. Let's back up one verse in front of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, don't be like them, the pagans, the Gentiles. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now listen to that. Your Father knows what you need. Your Father in heaven, He knows what you need before you ask Him. Fast forward, move down to verse 31. Don't worry then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows what you need before you ask Him. He knows you need food and drink and clothing. He knows, he knows all these things. And then Jesus turns right around and says, here's how you ought to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. All right, here's a question. If He knows I need daily bread, if He knows what I need before I even ask Him, why do I have to ask Him? He already knows, so why do I have to ask him? He knows I need these things. Why do I have to ask him for these things? Let me give you three reasons why we need to ask him. One is gratitude. Gratitude. Asking God for daily bread is a reminder to me that I am completely and continually dependent upon him, that I ask him to meet my needs, and when he does meet my needs, and he always does, when he does meet my deeds, I'm more likely to recognize and appreciate the fact that he, he provided and he met my needs. It, just, it, it, it fosters gratitude and appreciation and a recognition that God is faithful, that God has provided, and I can thank him for it. Paul kind of does the same thing over in Philippians 4. Paul says this, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Did you get that? My God shall supply all all your needs, not all your wants, but he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So there you go. He's going to meet all your needs. But then fast forward a little bit. In the same chapter, he says, So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So there you get both sides of the, of the same equation again. God's going to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So you need to be in prayer, and you need to ask him, and you need to thank him. So it goes together. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. He already knows what I need before I ask Him. I ask Him, He provides, and I thank Him. In fact, I can go ahead and thank Him in advance because I know He's going to provide. <laughs> I can thank Him before He does and then thank Him after He does. You remember the paternity of prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, paternity of prayer. Our Father is in heaven. He's your heavenly Father. Move down to chapter 7 and verse 11, still in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, if then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Your Father in heaven knows how to give good gifts to His children. You know how. Don't you think your Father in heaven knows how? You know, parents, you get this. You understand this. As a parent, you provide for your kids. It's just what parents do. You meet their basic needs. Now, you don't give your kids everything they want. One, you don't make that much money. I mean, you can't. They want everything. <laughs> but you also know it wouldn't be good for them. It'd be an unmitigated disaster. But you meet their needs. Really, whether they ask for it or not, whether they recognize it or not, whether they appreciate it or not, you feed them and you clothe them and you put a roof over their head and you educate them. 
you meet, you meet their needs. But every once in a while, it might be in a blue moon, but every once in a while, there's a shining moment. And every once in a while, your child says, thank you. For, for, for a skinny minute, they recognize what you have done, how you have provided, that you have met a need, that you have given when you didn't maybe have to, and they actually say thank you. And when that happens, it's good for them. It's good for them to recognize from whence it comes and, and to thank you for it. It's good for you too, isn't it? As a parent, it's good for you. It blesses you. Oh, then you want to give them something else, you know, but it, it blesses you and it blesses your relationship with them. Folks, that's how it is with your Father in heaven. My God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The psalmist said in Psalm 37, I once was young, now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. God's going to meet your needs. But every once in a while, you recognize it, and you say, thank you. And it blesses you when you do. And it blesses him. It hallows his name. It, it honors and glorifies him when you recognize God's faithful, and he has provided, and I'm dependent on him. And it strengthens your relationship with God. So in that fellowship, in that relationship with him, we, we, we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And when he does, you thank him for it. You, you ought to say grace before meals. Before you start woofing it down, you ought to say, Lord, thank you for the food on my table. Now, I know I went to work and I got a paycheck and I went to the store and I bought the groceries and I slept them home and I put them on the stove and I cooked them and I ate them. God, every bit of that came from you. The job that I have came from you, and the car I have came from you, and the groceries have, the grocery store had groceries because of you, and I had money to pay for it because of it. Lord, thank you for the food I'm about to eat. Bless it for my body. Thank you for the roof over my head and the clothes on my back, and thank you. Thank you. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Not only gratitude, here's why we also pray. Here's why we need to ask, because it develops the right perspective. It helps keep things in proper perspective. This conscious awareness. I am completely dependent on the Lord. I am continually dependent on the Lord. And when I am consciously dependent on the Lord, it helps me to, to stay poor in spirit, to stay humble. To, it, it checks that pride and that arrogance, that self-reliance. Look what I did. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I built. I, I'm a self-made man. No, none of that. I, I have what I have because God has blessed me. God has been so gracious. He's been so good. He's been so merciful. I don't deserve a bit of this, but God has been so good to me. Look what God has done. Look how God has provided. I am fortunate. I am blessed. It just keeps things in the right perspective. It keeps me grateful. It, it informs worship. So I come to worship Him in spirit and in truth, honoring Him as a faithful God who provides for His children. It also helps me to walk by faith and not by sight. I am completely, continually dependent on Him. I guess I'm going to have to trust Him. <laughs> and without faith, it's impossible to please God. We walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. Not self-reliance, not by His bootstraps. The just shall live by faith. It just keeps all that stuff in perspective. It helps me maintain that focus on His name, His will, His kingdom. Instead of my needs and my accomplishments, it's His name, His will, His kingdom. The whole first half of the prayer. Right perspective. And then thirdly, Fellowship with God. Why do we pray? Give us this day our daily bread. It helps us to be consciously dependent on God, and that fosters fellowship with God. And this brings us full circle back to the whole purpose of prayer. We began this whole study by saying what prayer is not. And if you remember, we said prayer 
is not talking God into doing something he doesn't want to do. That's not prayer. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, good grief, Jeff. Well, fine. Here's some bread. Live one more day. (laughs) That's not the Lord, is it? That's not prayer, and that's not God. Prayer is not manipulating God into granting our wishes. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Well, I wasn't going to, but man, you got me. (laughs) You got me by the fine print there. And you said the magic phrase, you know, and these TV preachers, they come up with a new phrase every word, new hocus pocus, abracadabra, you know. You, you named it, you claimed it, you confessed it, you professed it, you put it under the blood, you, you sowed your seed faith gift, you, you did the magic formula, and you said, pretty please, with sugar on top, and now God says, oh, you got me, here's some bread, live another day. That, what a sick view of God and a perversion of prayer. That's not prayer. Prayer is not informing God of, of something he doesn't know. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. What? You don't have bread? I had no idea you didn't have bread. You need bread. I'm glad you brought it to my attention. Here's some bread. No, he knows what you need before you ask him. Well, if he knows what I need before I ask him, why do I ask him? It is completely and totally about your relationship with him. That's prayer. That's what we saw at the very beginning. Prayer is completely, totally all about your relationship with God. It's not talking God into doing something He doesn't want to do. It's not manipulating God into granting our wishes. It's not informing God about something He doesn't know about. It is about spending time with God, communing with God. It's talking to God. It's listening to God. It is loving God. It is depending on God. It is walking with God. It's fellowship with God. That's what prayer is. And this is, this is just one aspect of that prayer. Prayer is relational. If he already knows what I need before I ask him, why do I have to ask him? Because it helps me remember him. Remember Deuteronomy 8? You go in there, you better remember the Lord your God. And if you don't remember him, you'll forget him. And in the blessings of God, you'll forget God and you'll get too big for your britches. So this helps me to remember the Lord. And it helps me to remember I am completely dependent on god without him i can do nothing i have nothing (laughs) apart from him i can do nothing i'm completely dependent on him but you know what that's okay because he's faithful even when i'm unfaithful he remains faithful i am continually dependent on him day by day every day continually dependent on him but that's okay because he's faithful And I'm consciously dependent on Him. May I never forget just how dependent on Him I really am. Knowing He's faithful. He is faithful every time, every day. He is faithful. Now that fellowship with God begins with a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's that's the beginning point. He is your Father in heaven only when Jesus is your Savior. You know, we talk about the, the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of man. The Bible shows us God is father to those who are born into his family. And, 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 you, and you become his child when you come to Jesus Christ, his son. 
you repent and, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You recognize that you have sinned against God, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that includes me. I've broken God's laws, His commandments. I've done exactly what He said not to do. I, I didn't do what He said to do. I am a sinner. I am condemned in my sins, and I'm helpless to do anything about it. But I've come to know and understand and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He's the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for me. He died on the cross and He bore my sins in His body. He paid the penalty for my sins in my place. He, 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 he died, He was buried, He was raised again, He's alive today. And now knowing and believing, I trust Him. And I say, Jesus, forgive me. Save me. I believe you're the Son of God. You died for me. You're alive today. You're the only Savior, my only hope. Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. Change me. I trust you with my life, my death, my eternity. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Come into my heart. Forgive me and save me. I'm yours. That's how you're saved. And your sin, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, in that kind of repentance and faith, your sins are forgiven. Heaven becomes your home. And you become a child of God. And now you can begin to enjoy this fellowship with God and everything that goes with it. Have you been saved? Have you done that? You can join a church and not be saved. You can get baptized and not be saved. I did that. <laughs> you, you, you can say a prayer and not be saved. You can sign a card and not be saved. It's about a faith relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in John 17, This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's what it means to be saved. That you know Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you don't have that relationship with Him, if you want that relationship with Him, if you have questions or doubts, or if you're ready to say yes, I invite you to come. In a moment, we're going to stand up and sing. I'll be right here. Just come to me and say, Preacher, I need Jesus. So I want to be saved. And we invite you to come and say yes to Jesus Christ. We'd love to have a private conversation with you. We won't pressure you. We won't embarrass you. We'd talk with you privately. Pray with you if you'd like to. But you could leave here today a child of God. Your sin's forgiven heaven your home say yes to jesus christ if you're already saved oh you, here's how you ought to pray give us this day our daily bread because god i am completely dependent on you absolutely completely utterly dependent on you i need you for everything every day i'm continually dependent on you every day day after day all the time i'm consciously dependent on you but lord that's okay because I know you're faithful. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you that the, the God of the universe would welcome us, invite us to come into your presence and to say, Lord, help me. Give me this day the bread I need to live one more day. Lord, how important that is for us and how trivial that, that could be for you, and yet you're that kind of a father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. Lord, I pray that you'd seal this message to our hearts and help us to live in light of it. And I especially pray for the one who's never been saved. Lord, bring them to the cross today, even now, to be saved. Take charge of this time of decision. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.